0: Good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are uh, doing amazing and um, God is doing great things in your life. We are talking about I love my church and I hope you do um, for a lot of reasons. We begin to discover some of the reasons and today we're going to do we're going to start a little series within the series. Uh, Some some issues, some questions that I want to deal with that help answer big questions but all fit under this umbrella of why we love the church but first let me let me share with you about a friend of mine his name is Juan Cortez he is a missionary to Matamoros Mexico is where he lives he's been there for a long time I met Juan uh, probably 20 years ago on a mission trip to Mexico and we've been friends ever since we've been supporting Juan in Mexico and his family Juan is in a wheelchair But Juan preaches the gospel. He runs a men's ministry. He goes into the Matamoros prison and he ministers to people in the prison, the women's uh, side of the prison and the men's side of the prison. I have been in the prison with Juan and it was a bizarre, crazy experience. But we bought this car for Juan or we helped him buy this cheap Jeep years ago and it died. And so what we did was we, uh, we helped Juan go out and buy another car so he can get around. He likes to uh, take a mission trip from Mexico, from Matamoros, up into the mountains, where he does um, vacation Bible school. And him and his family go, and they uh, preach the gospel, and they do vac- uh, VBS with kids and they just do ministry up in the mountains for like weeks at a time. And so this allows him to get there and allows him to get around. And even though he's in a wheelchair and his legs are uh, crippled, um, I've literally had to pick one up and put him in the car. Uh, he still is able to drive the car. Uh, and so he is a walking miracle, but he is a missionary on fire for God. And so we helped him with this car and um, Uh, one of the things they do up in the mountains when they go is they provide um, wheelchairs and walkers. Uh, They collect all these things, they get them there and they give them to people who really uh, up in the hills need uh, this kind of assistance. They have uh, worship services and they preach the gospel up there and um, they baptize people into Jesus and that is amazing that Juan in Mexico is saving souls and 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 bringing people to Christ. And I think that's so cool. And this is Juan Cortez in Matamoros, Mexico. Juan is a great, great guy. And uh, if God puts it on your heart to do something for Juan, uh, man, they could use all the help they can get because my little support that I can give them, it doesn't go far. Um, But Juan is a a super, super, When when I read Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, this guy could easily be one of those people. He is a modern day hero of the faith and uh, just a great, great, great man. I love my church. I hope you do too. We're talking about, I love that my church. The foundational truths are these. We are the called out ones, the ecclesia. Uh, all authority belongs to God. All belonging is because he invites us in. He allows us to belong. How cool is that? That God wants us to be a part of what he is doing? It's insane. And all the construction, everything that is going on, the orchestrating of it all, God is in charge of all of that, every bit of it. And we are invited to enter into the church and his grace by faith. We come to him by faith. Free gift of grace, we enter in through our faith in Jesus. And when we respond to Christ, we surrender to Jesus, complete surrender. And we love the church for a lot of reasons. We've mentioned a bunch of them, but today uh, we love the church because in the church and only in the church, every vital question is answered. Like in the church and in Christ and in the word, every vital Not every question, but every important question is answered. In a land of misinformation and twisted truth, there is only one source that we can trust and that we can rely on for truth and for answers. There is nothing in this life that God has not touched on already. There is no issue that is new to us, In our day nothing that you will face that God hasn't already instructed us on in fact in the book of Ecclesiastes Solomon wrote in chapter 1 verse 9 what has been will be again what has been done will be done again there is nothing new under the Sun things may change color they may change uh, method they may change Uh, what is being used, but the foundational truths and the foundational issues have always been from the beginning of time and will always be to the end of time because they are the issues of mankind even though they are presented in different forms and different ways. For the next several weeks, I wanna share with you uh, some really big questions, some big life questions that must be asked. Every one of us should ask these questions. Every human being, whether you're a believer or not, you should be asking these questions. Every one of these is humongous. It is huge. And before we get into this, there there are a lot of questions that people ask, right? You hear people ask questions like bizarre and crazy questions out there for God to answer. And some of them are legit questions, like they're about real life issues. And so these are some of the questions that people ask. I wanna just get these out there. Probably you've asked some of these or you've wondered some of these yourself. God's ability to make a rock so big that he can't move it. Some people wanna know. What came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, These are questions that some people want to ask God. Is global warming real? We're gonna kind of hit on that one today. And and when is a baby really a baby? See, these are questions that people in the world have. What is the real age of the earth? Is science the final say? Why is there suffering in the world? Do dogs go to heaven? Did man really land on the moon, right? These are questions people ask. Like, why does the planet smell like updog? Why does the planet smell like up dog you probably have questions for god as well and and maybe you've thought about when you get to heaven you might have even said this when i get to heaven or when i stand before god i want i'm going to ask him this question that may be something that is a big deal to you and before we go any further to our question we're going to deal with one question today We gotta set some ground rules about questions, about asking questions, okay? And this is true about any question in life, even a kid to a parent or a parent to their boss or whatever. Anybody who asks questions, these are some ground rules that you and I have to kind of understand. Number one is this. Some answers are just simply beyond us. They're beyond us. Like when your parents decide something for the family, And a little child, you know, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, they they just don't understand. We're going to move to Florida. They don't understand any of that. They don't know. They're just along for the ride. Or a family that says, hey, we're going to sell all that we have and we're going on the mission field. We're going to Haiti. We're going to Africa. We're going to wherever. Kid doesn't understand that. Some answers are just beyond us. We're just not going to get it. Number two, some answers are just not revealed at this point. They're, They're not revealed now, but will be one day. Will be one day. And it's a beautiful thing to have kids that now are older because we did things when they were younger that we know they did not understand. But now that they're older and more mature, they're beginning to understand the answers to the questions they had back then. And it's taken years to get there. That's just true about questions. Sometimes we're just not there yet. We just, we'll get there. God will reveal it maybe at some point and we'll be mature enough to understand it, but we're just not there yet. And number three, you simply may not like the answer, right? You may not like it when your parents say to the first grader, no, you cannot have an iPhone, right? Like, Like when we're told no about stuff, especially with parents and kids that's just we're not gonna like that we don't like some answers they're just, just not they're not they don't go in our favor we don't like them so in other words not all answers are going to satisfy us okay just keep this in mind keep this in mind it's okay though to ponder the questions and the answers and the issues it's totally cool to do that today the first big one that all of us must ask the first big question that all of us must ask is this where did god come from let's just, just let that sink in for a minute just think about that question because i think we ask a lot of questions that are like this and and i, I think there are even people that have you know that ask this question where did god come from? If God made everything, where did God come from, right? It's an issue. It's, this is big. And I think it's big because everything else, all other questions fit after this one. If we can get a handle on this answer, then everything else begins to make sense and finds its place. But to me, this is the big one. Like whatever question you could write down or, or wonder about, about life and eternity and whatever... We're gonna to get to a bunch of those because we're gonna do this over the next bunch of weeks. This one to me is the first and foremost. This is the big of all bigs. Big because it all, everything else is gonna work itself out underneath it. From centuries ago, man has pondered this question all through time. People want proof and they want evidence of God's existence. Who made God? Where did God come from? And so, right off, we say, okay, it's definitely a question. It is a it is a question. Is it a good question? Well, it's a question. And and yeah, okay, it's a good question that for us to ponder on and wonder about. But seriously? I mean, seriously. Like, yeah, okay, it's okay to ask the question, but but when you really start to think about this question, are you serious? I mean, are we really serious with this? This is, this is kind of like an ant. You know, you have an ant farm, you know, and you find these ants out in the dirt and you put them in this farm. and it, It's almost like an ant uh, trying to ask a human, where did you come from? Like, that's absurd. Like an ant would never ask a human, where did you come from? An ant doesn't even concern itself with that. Doesn't even wonder about that. They just know that you're there. There is a, like this huge disparity between an ant and a human. I mean, there's just huge, big difference, big chasm between those two creatures, right? Just like there is a huge disparity between a human and God. God is God. We are human. An ant is an ant. We are human. The, the, the differences between those leaps is, is crazy big. And the problem is that the question, where did God come from, is flawed. It's flawed in part. And let me share what I mean by that. The question presumes that we can understand eternity, that we are somehow on the same level of understanding and intellect as God. and that, that that and that we should be able to think on God's level. Like we can ask God questions. like we can we can reason and and have the intellect equal to or on the same plane as, the creator of the universe. Well, that is messed, that's jacked up. We simply can't. We may think we can, but the leap is way too big. We're never gonna ever be anywhere close to thinking like God. Only in a little minute way are we made in the image of God and can we think and reason but not on the same level as God. See, if we were on the same level intellectually with God, then we would be like equal to God. And that's just not so, right? It's just not so. And you don't have to look far to see why it's not so. Just look at the mess of the world all around us. God put us in charge of the planet. And look at it. chaos, violence, hate, sin, filth, pollution, drugs, abuse, crime, prisons. Come on. Look what we've done to the planet. We don't have a clue. We, we simply don't have a clue. Check this out. Check this out. This is just a small example. This is the Milky Way system. And I hope this picture is coming in for you guys. This is the Milky Way system that we, we are a part of the earth. And this is us that little speck right there, is us in the midst of all of these stars and all of this galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. This is incredible. This is humongous. And we are just a little bitty speck right there. And there, side note, there are people on the planet in our country telling you and telling me that we are messing up the entire galaxy by driving our gas-powered cars and lawnmowers and airplanes. We're right there. And that's the Earth. Like inside the circle is the Earth and on that on that Earth is you, a little speck of dust. And me compared to all of the <laughs> This is absurd. This is the kind of absurdity that we live in. See, it is so crystal clear that we are not the ones who created the universe, the galaxies, the star, the moon, and the sun. And uh, a few other smaller things that we need to live, like oxygen and gravity, you know, things that kind of matter if we're going to continue to exist on this planet. And then everything else on the planet, the the trees and the ocean, the birds, the fish and the animals, all those things. And all of this was created not by us, by God's grace and only by God's grace. We may be on the top of the food chain, but we are not the ones who made the food chain. Only God could do that. Only a creator could set all of this in motion. Only a maker could put everything in its its place perfectly. And only a supreme God could speak everything into existence. Only an all-knowing God could place everything in the solar system in its proper place for usage. See, the answer to the question, where did God come from, is simply complicated. It's it's as simple as the nose on your face and as complicated as the nervous system. My answer today uh, for you as we dig into this, uh, or or anyone's answer for that matter, is, is going to come up short. We, we're just going to come up short. We're going to have to accept the fact that this is the best that we can do. We, cool. How could any of us possibly, in our tiny, as tiny little creatures with our pea little brains, how could any of us define God or speak of God's origins? Like that alone is the answer to the question. Like, how could we, so finite, speak of the one who is infinite? That's bizarre. The, the question itself is almost rude. In comparison, it's like an ant questioning the, the, the ant keeper. It's like It's like a lot of things. It's just rude. It's the employee questioning the employer, or the boss, or the owner. It's the player questioning his coach. It's, it's rude in in so many ways, but, but I'm going to make an attempt. We're going to make an attempt to answer the question, so here we go. Where did God come from? Well, I don't have a place for you. There are those who might say there is a place, and then they name it, and it's Hebrew, and it's from where God came from, east. Whatever that means in a galaxy, I don't know what that means. But but here's the answer to the question for us today. The answer to the question is this. God is eternal. Where did God come from? The best that you and I will ever be able to do, in, in my estimation, is this. God is eternal eternal okay just just think about that he's he's eternal we're not he is his very nature is eternal he's not made of the stuff that you and I are made of he does not live in time like us God is not created he is not bound to space and time like man In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, it says it's Genesis 1, 1, the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All that is above and all that is below, God formed. He fashioned it, he molded it, he made it. In other words, he made it all. Therefore, God lives outside of our existence in order for him to make all of our existence, right? He couldn't create it all and be created with it at the same time because he already was. In the same way, the potter is not equal to the clay. One is the maker and the other is the one being made. Two completely separate forms all in itself. See, we cannot use our existence, our as bright as we think we might be, to measure God's existence. Simply can't do that. The problem we run into is this. We only know our limited existence. We can't possibly know all of his. He is beyond us. He is far beyond us. We only know what he clues us in on. That's all we know. We only know what God has chosen to share with us or chosen to reveal to us through the evidence that God has given to us. The creation, the word, his Holy Spirit, and the Son of God, Jesus, the person of Jesus. Through those methods, God has revealed to us the answers to life and the answers to who he is. All given to us by God to help us Understand him better and to understand life better. See, we stand, there's our galaxy, here's our Milky Way galaxy again. We stand on this tiny little planet over here asking about what's out there. And God exists out there, and He not only has all the answers. But he is also the one who holds it all together. He's the one who holds it in place and in space. Only God. In Colossians chapter 1, the scripture says this The Son, Jesus, is God. The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, the Son, all things hold together. So there's some good stuff here. I want to just pick it apart a little bit. The Son who is the eternal, invisible God. Jesus is equal to God the Father, Jesus in the flesh. He is the eternal, invisible God. Jesus, it says, is the firstborn over all creation. Let me explain that for a minute. Or you could say begotten before all creation. That's what this means, this word. It doesn't mean that Jesus was birthed onto the planet. That is not at all what it's about because in the context itself, it's telling us he's the one who made it all. He's the one who holds it all together. So this isn't talking about firstborn like your firstborn or my firstborn. This is, he was, he was begotten before anything was created. Before all this was made, he was already in existence. We get that from many passages. He is the image of the invisible God. We know that from that passage alone. So Jesus, we're not not even debating or questioning, was Jesus born or was he created with us? No, he was not. He is begotten, and not created. His pre-existence is evidence in, in him all things were created. And in the passage, all things were created through him, and all things um, through him and for him. So he is the one fashioning things together. Jesus, the son, along with God, the father, he created all things, all the things in heaven, he created all things in earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible, seen, unseen, thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities. What is that all about? Well, that's all about all the powers on earth And all of the powers in the spirit realm, those that are angelic and those that are demonic, he is over all of it. Everything out there, everything on the planet and everything out there in the galaxies answer to God. They all answer to God and he is, the last verse, he is the glue that sustains all things. He is the one who physically and spiritually holds everything together. Everything is dependent on God. He is not caught up in the creation. He is beyond all creation. He is outside of it all. Fred Randall, remember Fred? Rocketman? Fred summed it up best when he said he's got the whole world in his hands. See, we are mortal. We are of the flesh. We are temporary. We are subject to death. God is immortal. He is always. He is eternal. He is forever. He is imperishable. And he is exempt from death. God cannot die. He is eternal. He is eternal. God is eternal. Job, Job said this. God's years are unsearchable. Psalm 145 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Isaiah said, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Jesus said in John 6, He who believes in me has eternal life, beyond this life. Hebrews 5 says that Jesus is the source of eternal salvation. And John said in Revelations 1 that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and was and is to come the Almighty. So, he is eternal. He is from eternity. We are from a created system. The church the church has the answer to the question where did God come from where did God come from he is eternal he is beyond our limited understanding in our temporary existence for us as humans to see the evidence of God all that God has created, all that God has done within our existence on that little speck in the huge galaxy, and then to question God in any way is to deny the realities all around us. It's to deny what God has given us to know that he exists. It's why Paul said in Romans 1 it's why Paul said in Romans 1, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known to, about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. See, the answer to the question, where did God come from? The truth of God's word says to us that God is eternal. He is eternal. He has given us all that we need to understand his existence and our earthly existence. Just check out this pic one more time. Milky Way. Billions and billions of stars. And and there we are, right there. The little bitty speck in the midst of the entire Milky Way. We are very tiny, very tiny compared to what's out there. A tiny thimble full in a vast ocean of water we are. So small, so insignificant. And what this shows us, it shows us a number of things, but what this shows us is this, first of all, that our impact on the universe is super, super minuscule. For our spec to to be the one disrupting the entire Milky Way is the most absurd thing that anyone could ever try to tell you, okay? Keep that in mind. Our impact is so small. Like if I, if you're standing here before me and I took a baseball, maybe 30 years ago, I took a baseball and I, I fired at you as hard as I could. It's gonna leave a dent. If I hit you, <laughs> if I hit you in the chest, it is going to leave a, a mark, it's gonna leave a bruise, you're gonna probably fall backwards a little bit, probably not to the ground, but you're gonna step back. It's gonna impact you, your whole being. It's gonna hurt, it's gonna bruise, it's gonna be there for a while. But if I took a milk gun and I fired it at you, you you may not even know that it hits you. You'd probably be like, man, what a fly just run into me? That's the, that's the impact that the earth and all that we do on this planet could ever possibly have and probably less than a milk done, more like a nerd or a skill. I mean, our impact on the whole Milky Way system that we are a part of from our little planet is so, so miniscule. It doesn't even notice we're here. This is how tiny we are in the context of the universe. Now, check out this pic. Do you see this pic? Do you know what this is? I hope you can see this. I hope it's coming in good for you. This is NASA's latest picture of 10 the 10,000 plus galaxies that ours is among. Do you get that? This is just one of these. Just one. Just one little one. 10,000 galaxies out there like ours or similar to ours. And ours is just one of the the gazillions that are probably out there. See, it turns out not only are we tiny, And our impact on the whole is nothing at all, like nothing, it's really nothing. But this also shows how very limited we are, that you are, and I am, that all of the human race is in light of all that God has made and all that he is and all that he holds together, that he alone created all things in the heavens and in the earth And he alone is the one who holds it all together because he alone is the immortal God, the invisible God, the supernatural God. That is ridiculous. Who made God? Where did God come from? Well, he always was. He always is and he always will be because God is eternal. Now, I love the church. I love the church because the church is God's church where he rules and where God reigns in the church on the earth on this little speck. God cares about us in light of all of those galaxies. God cares about you and me on this little tiny planet called earth. It's his church. He allows us to come in. He invites anyone in. But he rules. He's the authority. He is the one that all belonging happens through. And he is the one that is working it and building it and making it happen. In the church, God answers all the important questions for life. Through the church and through his word. So I invite you to come back next week for question number two. Question number two. Outside the church, there is confusion and there is darkness. But in Jesus, we are in the know. In Jesus, we are brought into the light. And in Jesus, everything, everything begins to make perfect sense of who we are, why we're here, why God loves us, who created us, and what we're supposed to be doing. Come back next week and we'll dig into number two. God bless you guys. Have a great, amazing week.